0: let's see if you've ever had an experience similar to mine one time i was uh contacted by the local news and they wanted to come interview me and talk to me about how i work with couples and give some tips on helping couples through the pandemic and i was super excited about this it was my first tv local tv experience so that evening i rushed home to tell my wife as many of us want to do turn to our attachment partners when something good happens And I burst into the house, ready to share this good news. And my wife and my younger son were in the middle of an argument. And I realized right then and there, this is not going to be received very well if I just blurt out my good news right here, right now. So I held on to it until a time I thought was appropriate. And then when I finally got my wife one-on-one, I was able to say, oh, you're not going to believe what happened today. And her response was, oh, that's great, sweetie and then quickly shifted into wanting to talk about some of her frustrations for the day. It feels a little deflating. It feels a little bit like somebody has burst the air out of your balloon when that happens. And so that is what we call a misattunement, And that is what we're gonna talk about today in pathic attunements, which are the roots of trust and resilience. Welcome to Trauma-Free Relationship, a podcast that provides support and guidance to help heal the wounds of attachment trauma. Whether you find yourself struggling with unresolved issues in the past or have experienced trauma in your current relationship, our goal is to provide accurate, scientifically informed information, as well as the tools to help you create a secure connection between you and your partner. And here's your host, Tom Philp. Okay, so hopefully you can share in that example a little bit uh, I'm sure we've all had that, where we felt something really exciting, and when we go to tell and share with somebody else, which is the most natural thing for us to want to do, to share exciting things that are happening for us in our life, good things that are happening. We also feel as compelled to share things when they are not going as well. We want to share our sadness, and we want to share uh, grief or, or hard times we're going through, that natural tendency to reach out to others, especially our attachment figures, and we probably all experience to some degree or another when that excitement or that sadness has been matched by the other person. And so that is something we call empathic attunement. And we're going to break it down and talk about empathy and talk about attunement, what those two different things mean. But I think those are great examples, and you can probably think of tons more in your life where... You know you were feeling a certain way when you're communicating with your partner, and they're just not matching what you're feeling and And you can sense that on some level and we often sense that in our bodies uh, because that's being being pulled in through our nonverbal hemisphere, the right side of our brain, which is nonverbal side. it picks up those those um, uh, nonverbal cues. Uh, facial expressions, body postures, things such as that. Anything that's not verbal, that right side of our brain is picking up and it's connected to our body primarily more so than the left hemisphere is, the verbal hemisphere. And so we're feeling that. It's resonating. Oh, this person's not getting where I'm coming from. They're not in tune with me. So before we jump into sort of a definition and kind of break this down a little bit more, and I really want to be able to try to operationalize this get, get granular with what this looks like in our relationships in just a bit. But I want to give a quote because I think this quote is absolutely beautiful. And, and, uh, it says it better than I think I could say it myself. What happens when we don't have that empathic attunement from our partner? And this is a quote from Dan Hughes. It goes like this, when people don't respond to our inner world, then we don't develop words to speak about our experience. Having no words, it is hard to describe feelings. The inner world takes on a vague and nameless quality. Subjective experiences, like personal experiences, continue to occur, but they are difficult to understand and communicate. Your partner is not trying to be difficult when they misattune to you. They're not trying to be difficult. It is a basic truth about their life that they don't know what to say about their thoughts and feelings. They have a sense of self that lacks coherence, continuity, clarity, and comprehensiveness. And I, I want to quote that in entirely because I think that beautifully sums up sometimes what happens internally when we run into those places of trauma, when we run into those areas of our experience when there was no one there to attune to us about something overwhelming that happened i often see this with couples that i work with that have affairs where the affair uh, uh, offender is able to say what happened but the the partner that got hurt their whole world is just turned upside down. And so sometimes even the best descriptions of the who, what, when and where that the that the offending partner is able to describe, it's very difficult for the partner whose world is just turned upside down to be able to put into words they're experiencing. Because often there's such a misattunement between the partners that that. That the offending partner, the partner that had the affair is not really able to step into the pain and the hurt, at least not initially, um, of their, their partners uh, that, that now that there's such broken trust in that relationship. And so what you often have is you have the inability to this this overwhelming experience that my whole life has been turned upside down and inside out and often they don't know the words. They're, they're deeply hurt, they're deeply confused. There's immediate broken trust. Their, their world has been, um, um, uh, it lacks any sense of coherence now and continuity of what it used to. And, and they begin to almost mark time between the pre-affair or the pre-trauma life and the post-trauma life. Um, And so you often see this with couples where I will have to work with one partner and really, really, really make sure that I attune to them and I can help them create language around what has happened. I can help them build a vocabulary um, about their experience and what they're going through. So when we talk about attunement and empathic attunement, when we have empathic attunement in our relationship, then what we have is, is the roots of trust and resilience. Because when we have a partner that we can turn to and that can can equal and, and amplify those emotions and those experiences that we have, then that creates a, a synergy or it creates the ability to be in sync with somebody. You think about this with a, a mother and an infant and a child. And there's videos out there that, that show that when the baby is first born, they can only see about 10 to 12 inches in front of their face. So they are acutely aware, especially if they're breastfeeding of the mother's face. And the, the synchronicity that happens back and forth, the baby will make a sound and the mother might repeat it. and And then the baby responds off the mother. And you have these two experiences that are so in sync and so linked up that they almost become one. And so that's a little bit what empathic attunement is about. And and couples that are are working towards the attachment bond, oftentimes it is solidified in this idea of empathic attunement, meaning now our brains have kind of synced up and we can read each other's nonverbal cues we can send messages back and forth that each of us can interpret with greater ease than we did when we first started dating because we had to work towards that understanding and we just it's like we almost become one so empathic attunement is really really crucial for for creating trust and resilience in the relationship it's also very fragile to break, just like trust is. You can build up trust over years and years and years. And sometimes as we all know, within a moment that trust can be broken and the relationship may never be quite the same again. Sometimes you can build that back for sure, but sometimes it takes a while to be able to do that. So what exactly is empathic attunement? Well, I wanna break it down. Empathy in itself, let's just start with the first word is the ability to be able to see into somebody else's experience. So if we are empathic, we can see somebody else's perspective. And it's it's like we can stand into their shoes. Think about a good book that you have read at one point, and you're engrossed in the character of this book. And it's almost as if you can step into that character's shoes You can see through their eyes. You're experiencing what they're experiencing in a firsthand way. That essentially is what empathy is. It's our ability to to see ourselves into the lives or the experiences of somebody else. Now, there's a couple misnomers with empathy. First of all, just because you can see your way into somebody else's perspective, it doesn't mean it's necessarily you give up your perspective. Seeing your way into somebody else's perspective doesn't mean that my perspective is invalid. It just means I can see multiple perspectives. I can see where my partner's coming from, and I feel like my perspective is valid as well. And and so that's one of the things I think we often uh, confuse with empathy is, oh, well, if I can see their perspective, then that means their perspective's right and mine is wrong. And that's just simply not the case. So empathy is being able to step into your partner's perspective, get it from from within their own, like I said earlier, subjective experience, their own personal experience. Attunement is a little bit different. Attunement means you can feel your way into what they're feeling. Now that's different than necessarily the cognitive component. The cognitive component is I can think about the way you're seeing this. I can follow the steps of how you got there and how you arrived at this perspective. But the attunement portion of that is often about me being able to feel my way into your perspective as well. So we've got about four different types of ways to think about empathic attunement. And one of them is sort of what I've talked about earlier. It's the cognitive component combined with the affective component. So it's two people that are in sync or in attunement when they're affectively and cognitively present to each other. So let's go back to my example for a minute. I come home and I've got this great news and I walk in. What if my wife had turned and seen the big smile on my face and my son paused and they were both looking at me and I said, you're not going to believe what happened today. I got a call from the TV station and they want to come out and interview me. And my wife says, oh my gosh, that's fantastic. That's so great. I can't wait for you to share some of your knowledge with them because you've worked so hard to to, to be an expert in this area or whatever. My son's like, oh, that's great, dad. Really cool. Can't wait to see you on TV. And all of a sudden they're sharing in that excitement with me. That would be where they are in sync with me. So when they effectively and cognitively are present right there in the moment with me, in that particular example, they're also sharing the affective states. So they're matching my affect. In this particular case, a happy or joyful affect. Now, if I've had a rough day and I come home and I'm a little bit down and I'm kind of quiet and I'm not saying so much they're not probably going to come to me in this joyful, hey, dad, how was your day? And oh, I'm sorry to hear it was so bad, but they're going to continue to be really happy and bounce up and down for me and want to hug me. And it, it's not matching. It doesn't, it doesn't match my affect state. And so obviously they would take it down. My wife might say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I had a bad day. Do you want to talk about it? My son might approach me more genderly. Oh, dad, I'm sorry, would you like a hug? Would that be helpful? So there's concern. So they're matching my affective state. And then, of course, if they learn about maybe why I had a bad day, then their cognitive focus is on the same event or the same object as, as mine is. And so they begin to understand why I've had a bad day, what may have led up to that, and why i interpreted things the way I did. And then the last component of, of empathic attunement is being able to be in sync with your partner and being able to understand or match their intentions so that both people are congruent. Oftentimes, I see this a lot with couples where they will see, see their perspective. They will be able to even match their affect state a little bit, their emotional state but they don't trust the intentions behind it because maybe their experiences in the past says that no matter what somebody's saying or how they look, they might flip things around on you in a moment. And that's obviously the trust piece uh, of of the, the roots that, that empathic attunement builds, that trust and resilience. Because if you're not able to sort of trust the intentions or if the tensions aren't congruent, with, with the way somebody is appearing emotionally, cognitively, then, then that can really disorder your world. And I'm not talking about like a clinical disorder, but it, it can really confuse the child who then becomes the adult who says, yeah, just because somebody's happy doesn't always mean that, that they mean for you to be happy. And so they can switch that around. So there's four aspects to empathic consummate, but I think overall you get the idea is that we are in sync with our partner. We are matching their affective state and we are also able to see our way into their perspective. Now, I will tell you that a lot of this is what creates the attachment bond. That, that empathic attunement, and sometimes it's just referred to as empathy, and the attunement, ap- a part of it is, is given. People assume that, yeah, they assume that you're you're matching their affect or their emotions. Sometimes it's just called attunement without the, the empathy. For, for my purposes today, I wanted to combine them both. I don't want to get so hung up on the title itself, but you get the idea, whether it's empathy or a, in tune or attunement or empathic attunement. You now understand the components that make that up because they really are two sides of the same coin um, when when we're interacting with our partner. So being the, the, the bonding process, the attachment process comes right out of that empathic attunement. If you think of what the way that you and your your partner got together, and I say this to a lot of my couples, you know, when we first got together, what did we do as a couple? We played. We went out to movies, we went out to dinner, we hung out with friends, we took some road trips, maybe some vacations, we, we had some sex, we really built up this friendship and we started to learn each other's personality, each other's temperament, and eventually what happened is this empathic attunement took over so that we were really in sync with one another and that's essentially why it's so important and pathicatum is so important to attachment because it is the it is the roots that creates the foundation that creates that trust and ultimately the resilience of the couple when i have couples that come to me oftentimes very often they are in a sort of a perpetual state of ruptures they may not have all the skills they need to make the repairs to those ruptures. So oftentimes they will have a disagreement, they will have a misattunement of some kind. And what ultimately happens is they sweep it under the rug, they go back to their emotional baseline, if you will, and life goes on until it happens again. And then they kind of sweep it under the rug, dismiss it. They don't really come and talk it through. They don't. Maybe they don't have those tools yet for a lot of different reasons, including trauma might be one of those. But but they are in a perpetual state of ruptures, and so they don't have the empathic attunement that gives them that resilience to be able to come back together and say, you know, yesterday I was really thinking about what happened, and I, I think I, I think I got a little too upset, and, and I'm sorry about that. I, I think I misinterpreted what you were saying, and or I got triggered, and here's what happened to me. It really brought up something that was just not a happy place for me and my family growing up. And, and so it kind of hit me wrong and, and I moved into a really defensive place. And so can we sit down? Can we try this again? Can we talk through this? I'd like to share some more things with you that I've been thinking about. And I'd really like to hear from you as well. That, that process of repairing and being empathically reattuned to one another is absolutely vital for resilience in the relationship. So there are other things that are really important for empathic attunement as well, or other benefits, I should say. Uh, Not only is it the roots of trust and resilience, it also really enhances emotional intimacy. So it really lays the foundation for emotional intimacy. It's where couples can share their deepest thoughts and feelings, often without fear or judgment from one another. And when partners begin to feel really heard and understood by each other, they often can be more open and vulnerable, which leads to a deeper connection. So empathic attunement not only builds trust and resilience, it also really enhances that emotional intimacy with one another. Um, In addition to that, it really helps, as I've touched on a second ago, with conflict resolution. So empathic attunement is an invaluable tool in being able to resolve conflict uh conflicts the example i gave a few minutes ago where i was talking as if my partner and i had had a rupture and and after we had calmed down i came back and said you know i've really been thinking about my role in that and what happened and the way i interpreted what you were saying that ability to get back into empathic attunement to reattune to one another is absolutely crucial for being able to understand each other's perspectives and emotions uh, for the couple to be able to find common ground and to work through those disagreements in a more healthy and effective way, um it also creates shared meaning for the couple. Oh, I get where you were coming from now that makes sense to me. See, I was thinking about this, and instead, you were talking about that. Oh, that makes so much sense now we can ha- create shared meaning around it, and it literally impels us to grow together because we're working through those ruptures through a series of attunements and misattunements and reattunements. And when we do, we start to understand each other on a deeper level and we are able to most often have less ruptures and be able to repair those in a much quicker manner. As I said before, it also really helps build trust and resilience, Um, it helps the couple be able to to weather storms over time. When we are attuned to one another, we often have that shared meaning. We often uh, are able to to more quickly step into each other's perspectives and to feel our way into each other's emotions. And so we can weather outside storms even better um, than we, we did before. We can support each other in ways um, that we can't without empathic attunement. And we can significantly enhance that resilience in our relationship, as as I've said before. So let's talk about a few ways to actually work with and build empathic attunement. Now, empathy and attunement is something that everybody, and I absolutely 100% believe this, it is something that everybody can build. You're given an advantage if you were given this when you were young. Now I recognize fully, and this is part of attachment and relational trauma. Maybe you grew up in a family that didn't have a lot of empathic attunement. When you got sad and you got upset, there's no one to turn to. There was nobody that was gonna come ask you what was wrong and sit with you um, in those those hard emotions. It, It is, It it is amazing to me and it also saddens me greatly when I do my attachment interviews with my couples, uh, which means that I have an individual session with each partner. The number of times where I've asked the question, when you were a child and you got your feelings hurt, you were upset, you had a bad day, you got into a fight with your best friend, you flunked a grade or a a class, uh, excuse me, flunked a test, you thought you were going to do well on, who did you turn to? Who did you go? Because everybody has bad days. It's only normal. It makes us human to be able to have those days. Who did you turn to? Who did you take those feelings to? And the number of, of couples that I have, partners that look me straight in the eye and they say, no one. I had no one that I could take those feelings to. I usually just pick myself up, brush myself off, or I distracted myself, or I diverted myself into something that I was good at. I came home and I listened to music or I played an instrument or I went and hung with my friends, or I did a myriad of other coping things. So I didn't have to focus on that because no one was gonna show up for me in that place. And so I recognize fully that not everybody has the the has been given um, a model for how to do this with with you and you with others. But I absolutely believe that it is not too late, that it is something that everybody can learn. So one of the first things we do to build empathic attunement is we practice active listening. Um, we need to be able to give our partner our full attention. We need to be able to make eye contact with them. Uh, so that means we put down the remote, we put down the cell phone, we take out the iPods, we, what, whatever it is, when our partner comes to us, we wanna make sure that we're able to focus 100% of our attention on what they are saying. If you'll recall before, I said that uh, part of being in sync or in attunement is to be present to each other. And so we wanna make sure we're fully present to each other. And so active, active listening means that we're not only just hearing the words, and we're free from distractions, but we're also trying to get a sense of the feelings and the meanings behind the words. When my wife comes in and she's frustrated uh, at my children, or she's had a bad day or whatever it might be, and I can tell that she's down a little bit, I wanna make sure that I turn off the TV. I wanna make sure that I give her 100% of my attention. I want to be able to feel my way into not only what she's describing and saying, um, so I cognitively want to be able to step into her perspective, but I also want to feel my way into her sadness, and I'm not going to try to fix it, solve it, take it away, and this is especially important for guys, I think. Oftentimes, we've been socialized to fix the problem. Much of our job and our work, and this is for women too, most certainly, especially women that work um, inside and outside the home, we want to fix things, right? We want to be able to to fix our partner's um, problem so that they feel better because when they feel better, we feel better. It's coming from a good place. It's coming from positive intentions, but we have to be really careful that we don't want to jump in and try to offer advice and fix something before they really feel Felt. now let me say that again because i think that's a really important message there we want to make sure our partner feels felt they want to make sure that they can feel that we are feeling with them not just feeling for them because feeling for somebody is sympathy i can feel sorry for somebody because they've stubbed their toe i know what it's like to stub my toe and i go ooh, i kind of cringe but I'm not really feeling with them. I wanna go over and I wanna make sure that my partner feels felt and feels that I'm feeling that with them. And one of the best ways to do that is just stay present with their feelings, actively listen to what's going on, listening to the story, and being able to feel my way cognitively and with my feelings into their perspective. So that's all wrapped up in active listening. Another way to really practice active, uh, excuse me, empathic attunement is validating feelings. Uh, If you were in a session with me, you would see me do this a lot because I do this constantly with my couples and I probably, probably don't even do it enough, Uh, but I, I feel like I do it all the time. And that is simply validate their feelings. Now, let me say, I'm not always validating their perspective. They may be really upset with their partner. They may be going off on their partner with raised voice, but I can certainly validate the anger behind it. And so validating your partner's feelings is a huge tool for building empathic attunement. You're not always agreeing with their perspective. My wife may come home and say, my boss said this, that I think they're completely wrong and so on and so forth. And I'm thinking, hmm well, I'm I'm a boss myself, I run a team of therapists, I, I kind of understand, but I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna say that in that moment because that's a very unattuned thing to do. But what I can certainly do is say, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. I can see how frustrating that is. I can see from your role and your perspective and what you're doing, why that would be so frustrating for you. And so I'm just simply acknowledging and validating the feelings behind it oftentimes what happens when we validate feelings is the person begins to calm down they begin to to be less angry they begin to be less sad because ultimately what you're telling them is that hey i understand where you're coming from i get it i get it and and especially when people are, are angry or frustrated and upset you can almost just see their whole bodies begin to relax when we validate their feelings, because exactly what we're doing, we're just saying, hey, I get this and we're communicating that to them. So active listening is helping your partner feel felt and, and being able to see your way into their perspective. A lot of that is done internally within you. The validating feelings portion of it oftentimes is what you're communicating in words to your partner that you're understanding Inside yourself so when i'm when i 'm talking with my wife and i 'm understanding, oh, I can see why she 's so upset, oh, this makes sense to me oh i 'm um, uh, I'm, I'm really staying with her i 'm tracking her feelings, oh my gosh, of course, of course, oh, I can see how frustrating, given your job, and now what you have to do to make that happen, that makes perfect sense to me, and so i 'm validating that, and she 's feeling felt, and she 's seeing i 'm seeing into her perspective, and i 'm using my words to let her know that I understand how she's feeling. And then finally, one of the last things you can do is just ask, ask open-ended questions. Do not be afraid to ask open-ended questions. Do not be afraid to clarify things. I think that's so important. Now, I will say there's a caveat to this because I've seen it many, many times in my couples that have trauma. It is often harmful to one partner if you ask questions depending on their traumatic experiences. They might often feel like even if you ask questions or try to clarify that somehow you're invalidating their perspective. So you've gotta be careful with this and you've gotta be able to ask your partner, is it helpful to you when I clarify or ask questions? Because it might surprise you. They might actually say, no, it's actually not helpful. What it feels like is you're challenging my perspective. I really just want you to listen first. So, I think asking open ended questions is a helpful way to improve your empathic attunement skills, but I do want you to be aware that it may not always appear helpful to your partner. So, three things that we can do to build empathic attunement we can actively listen, which means that internally within ourselves, what we're doing is we are feeling our way and tracking and, and, and sitting with our partner's feelings. And then we're also putting ourselves into their perspective. Well, how, do we, how does that person see it? Can we see it through their eyes and through their experience? And then secondly, we are validating their feelings and we're just letting them know, hey, I get this, this makes sense for me. We're not always validating their perspective, but we can certainly always validate their feelings. And then third, we might be asking some open-ended or clarifying questions, but we're going to be very, very tentative about that. And open-ended questions are just that. It's like, well, how did that make you feel? That's an open-ended question. What did you do next? That's an open-ended question. What did your coworker say when you told them? That's an open-ended question. What we don't want to do is use closed questions or leading questions. I don't understand. Why did you do it that way? That's a closed question. Uh, it, may, it may appear a little bit open, but it's not because it's almost a little bit leading like you're challenging them to have to defend themselves. So we wanna be very careful about the open-ended questions that we're asking. And again, we wanna make sure that that's even, that that's helpful to our partner. That may not be an attuned response. And, and I'll say this again, because I think bears repeating, it's really important that some people with trauma that have never had anybody sit with them, that has never had anybody validate their feelings or see into their perspective, or even just track and, and, and follow their emotions, whether they're all over the map or they're not, it, it can feel very dangerous and it can feel like a cue, a danger cue to them when you ask questions. They may need you to just sit and, and look interested and and nod and and if they're frowning, you're frowning, or maybe just reach out and hold a hand, nothing verbal at all, that may be a much more of an attuned response. So today we talked about empathic attunement, the roots of trust and resilience. And I wanna reiterate again, 100%, I believe that no matter your past experience, you can begin to build these skills and apply them in your relationship. I think if you did this over time, that you would see a tremendous amount of change occurring between you and your partner. And I think I think, without even addressing conflict, if you were to actually work on empathic attunement, you would see that conflict go down over time. This is not a one-time cure. You can't just do this once and, and it's, oh, wow, we're in the place I wanted us to be well this is a huge fix it's got to be something that is slowly worked on so my challenge for you uh, over this next week until you listen to my next podcast and whatever subject that might be is to challenge yourself to improve this skill in your relationship how can I empathically attune more to my partner how can I get a show up more for them in these places And how can I get them to show up more for me? Maybe, maybe you'll want to sit down and have them listen to this podcast as well as some of the examples and definitions that I gave. So until next time, take care of yourselves and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Trauma-Free Relationship, a podcast for the healing of attachment trauma. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or our website at traumafreerelationship.com. Be sure to look for our next episode on your favorite streaming service.